Well, good morning again. Well, for the past uh, several weeks, we've been talking about discipleship, and uh, in particular, what it, what it really means to follow Jesus, which is what we've been invited to do, which is what discipleship really is at its core. And uh, we're going to wrap things up this morning. We, it's hard to believe uh, we're, we're entering into Thanksgiving and then Advent is just a few weeks away. And so we've got to wrap things up this morning, but I promise you this won't be the end of this particular conversation. There's so much more that we could talk about and we still need to talk about. But for now, we're going to wrap things up. And uh, I want to do that this morning by talking about the importance of serving, serving. Um, you know, as, as followers of Jesus, it should just be part of our DNA to serve. It just ought to be part of who we are. And uh, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to dive right in. And I want to look at a couple of passages of Scripture this morning. Uh, the first one is found in John chapter 13. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. The Scripture will also be on the screen. But John chapter 13, and I just want to begin reading with verse 1. John writes this. He says, it was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Let's skip down to verse 12. John writes, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And then he asked them this question, do you understand what I have done for you? Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. This is the word of the Lord. You know, one of the things that I've come to understand is that all of us have certain rules that we live by. We all have our own kind of life rules. Uh, some of those we're aware of, and there are others, quite honestly, that we're just not aware of. You know, there are some rules that we've we picked up from culture. There are some we picked up from our family of origin. Uh, you know, some of you who are, are married, you do things in your home exactly the way it was done in the home you grew up in. And then uh, some of us, you know, we've created rules where we, we do things exactly the opposite of, of how we grew up. We just, we didn't like it, and so we do the exact opposite. Whatever they are, the reality is we all have life rules that we live by. For example, some of you uh, may live by the life rule, do unto others as they do unto you. You know, we like that rule, do unto others as, you do, as they do unto you. For some of us, that's the rule that we live by. For others, we live by this rule. Do unto others as they deserve to be done to, right? There are some of us who live by that rule, you know? In other words, you treat me nice, I'll treat you nice. But boy, if you don't treat me nice, you better watch out. There are some of us who live by the rule, do unto others as my mood would have it. 
Come on, don't raise your hand. But come on, there are some of us who, who live by that rule. You know, our, our mood dictates what happens in our relationships. It, our mood dictates, however we feel, dictates what happens, uh, how we relate to other people in our family and friends and work and so on, you know. And so if you catch me on the right day, you know, it's going to be all right. But boy, you catch me on the wrong day, watch out. Yeah. Amen, yeah. The point is that, you know, we, we all have known and unknown right life rules that we've either picked up from our family or from culture or from a hero that we want to emulate or maybe in reaction to something that we didn't like. And so we have these rules or these basic operating procedures for life that we live by. And then we made the decision to follow Jesus. And as we begin to follow him, as we, we live under the authority that we talked about last week, we or a few weeks ago, we live under this authority. One of the things that we begin to discover is that Jesus wants us to live by a new standard of living, especially in regards to our relationship with other people. And one of the things that Jesus says over and over and over again is he says, I don't want you to do unto others based upon what they deserve, what they've done for you, or how you feel in the moment. But instead, he says, I want you to do unto others as I have done unto you. That needs to be the standard in which you live by. In other words, he says, you know, you've seen how I've treated other people. The, the, the ones who everybody else ignores, those who are broken and needy, those who have been abused and mistreated, those who have abused and mistreated me. But most of all, you have experienced how I have treated you. And so instead of responding in like, in like kind or responding in opposite kind, or instead of reacting to what people around you do, Jesus says, my expectation as my followers is... I want you to get laser focused on what I have done for you and then make that the standard by which you treat other people. That is to be the standard. Now that's great, but let's be honest. You know, it's easier said than done, right? It's easier said than done to live that way. I mean, the, the truth is, you know, while I know that God has unconditionally forgiven me, the truth is, I may not want to unconditionally forgive you. Because if I do, I may feel like that I'm just letting you off the hook, right? And I, and I, know, that, I know that God has unconditionally accepted me, but I may not want to unconditionally accept you. Because the truth is, you may not be that, all that unconditionally acceptable. And the truth is, I may know that God has unconditionally included me in his family, but I may not want to unconditionally include you and my family because there are still things that you need to work on. Come on, right? And so th this whole idea of treat others the way that Jesus treated us, the truth is that it is not necessarily natural or intuitive for us. In fact, it is way more natural for us to treat other people the way we feel in the moment or based on how they treated us or based on what they deserve. That is way more natural for us. And yet God is very clear in Scripture over and over and over again, God says, don't get so high and mighty and thinking that, uh, you know, you and me are on good terms simply because you memorized all the stuff, you can fill in all the blanks and you know all the charts. 
Don't get caught up in that. Because if you say that you love me, over and over and over again, uh, Scripture tells us this, that Jesus says, if you say that you love me, and yet you don't treat the people that I put around you in the way that I treated you, then the truth is, you really don't love me that much. In fact, he says this, he says, the measure of your relation vertically, your relationship vertically is actually measured by the depth and maturity of your relationships horizontally. And, and yet there's something in us that wants to, you know, put those two things in separate categories, right? I mean, we, we can say, you know, we, we want to say, I, I love you, but I don't really care that much for him. Or, or I love you, but I don't, and I want to serve you, but I don't really want to serve them and by the way I'm way too busy to do it anyway and yet Jesus says that if you really want to follow me you need to understand that the measuring stick in which I measure the depth and the and the maturity of your love for me is by how willing you are to do unto others as I have done unto you are you still with me all right a couple of you are and Jesus is so awesome because, because he knows that sometimes it takes us a while to get things. And sometimes we have to hear it over and over and over again. But not only do we need to hear it, we need to see it. We need to experience it over and over again. And so once again, Jesus demonstrates this. He, he says, you know, just so you don't miss all that I've been talking about, as he's gathered with his disciples, he says, just so you don't miss everything that you've observed me do, everything you've heard me say, he says, I'm going to show it to you one more time I want to give you a very clear visual image of what I'm talking about and what it what all this looks like and so as one of his last acts before he goes to the cross Jesus gathers his disciples together and he literally takes the role of a servant he, he washes their feet washing somebody else's feet was such a low task in Jesus' day, that it was, it was literally the job of a servant, or even better yet, a slave. And yet here's Jesus, who we talked about a few weeks ago. He had all authority on heaven and on earth. All authority was given to him. And, and he humbles himself. I mean, Jesus had every right to take the attitude, you know what, I'm the king, I'm king of heaven, I'm king of earth, and you all ought to be serving me. He had every right to do that. He had, he had every right to say, you know, I came in here and nobody washed my feet. He had every right to think that. But instead of that, he picks up the towel, he does the unthinkable, and picks up his towel and he begins to serve those around him by washing their feet. Now, I want to come back to that in just a few minutes, but first, I want to look at a, a second passage of Scripture. This one's found in the book of Galatians, and uh, just to give you a little bit of background, Galatians is actually a letter that was written to the Church of Galatia, a series of churches, which is now in modern-day Turkey, and, and the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Church of Galatia. And if you know anything about Paul, you know that he was a Jew. He had been, in fact, a religious leader amongst the Jews. And then he had this encounter with Jesus Christ. He had made this decision that I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to commit the rest of my life to following him, being like him, doing what Jesus did. 
And he becomes this follower of Jesus, but he had been a, a, a Jew in, 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 in religion, and he's a Christian following Jesus. Now he'd been under the law, now he's following Christ, and so he knows both sides of the coin. And so he's writing this letter to this group of people who also were Jewish, but had become Christians like him, and now they're trying to figure out, okay, I know Jesus is the Messiah, but we've also got the law of Moses. And so what do we do with all of that? How do we merge these things? You know, they, they were a group of people that grew up thinking, you know, I, 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 in order to please God, I've got to jump so high and bow so low and run so fast and crawl so slow. I've got to jump through all of these hoops in order to please God. And now you're telling me that I'm forgiven, that I've got a Messiah who has died for my sins. And so now what do we do with the law? What do I do with the law? And so Paul writes this letter to help these people understand their perspective on the law. And here's what he says in the letter of Galatians. Basically, he says this. He says, because of Jesus, you are now free from the law. That Jesus has fulfilled the law. And instead of having a relationship primarily based upon the law, primarily based on how well can we perform, you grew up having that kind of a relationship, but now what you need to do is you need to focus your relationship on Jesus Christ. That is the source of your relationship. You are free from the law. Woohoo! Yeah, we got one woohoo. That ought to excite us. Now, now, I don't know what you think of, of when you hear those words, you are free from the law, but when I think about that, immediately what comes to my mind is when I was 16 years old and I got my first driver's license, free from the law. You know, I could drive when I was 15, but I had to have a parent with me. And so uh, they, they controlled where I went and how fast I got there. But I turned 16 and baby, I was free from the law, you know? I mean, freedom, yeah. And I remember my mom and dad, they, they let me drive. They had this little 1973 uh, Datsun B210. It was an orange, like an orange square box with wheels, four-door. And, and uh, it didn't even have like a regular horn on it. It had this little clown horn that you squeeze the bulb and it went, uh-uh, like this, you know. 16 years old, not the coolest car to drive. Little four-cylinder, five-speed, but baby, I could make that thing scream you know, because I was free from the law. You know, it was, like, it was like all of a sudden nobody's looking over my shoulder and I can break all the rules and take total advantage of my freedom. And I thought I was free from the law until one day I got three tickets in one day and then discovered there's still the law, you know. But, but what Paul is writing, he's, he's writing to this group of people and the reality is that some of them are hearing this message and they're going, woohoo, we're free, no more law, yeah. And so that means, you know what, I can do whatever I want. I don't have to be nice to you anymore. I don't have to worry about what God thinks. I can do whatever I want. I can sin as much as I want because I'm going to heaven when I die because Jesus died for my sins and he set me free from the law. Woohoo, 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 I'm free. And then there was another group of people that were going, wait a second, I don't think it works like that. I mean, I, we still have the law, 
And that means that we still have to, to, to watch what we do and how we act and how we tr- treat people. In fact, we, you know, we still we got the law of Moses, so we got to watch what we eat. we we got to still adhere to, to uh, rules like circumcision and those kind of things. In other words, you still have to be a Jew in order to be a Christian, right? And so there were these two groups of people kind of on opposite extremes, and Paul writes this letter to kind of help sort all this out. And in the middle of this debate, Paul makes this statement, and I want you to hear what he says because it is so interesting and it is so powerful what he says. He says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And everybody goes, yeah, freedom. He goes on, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. The flesh is our sinful nature. In other words, just because you're free, do not leverage your freedom for your own self-centeredness. Paul Paul is saying, you know, don't be like, you know, now that I don't have to keep all the rules, I'm not going to keep all the rules. You know, now that I don't have to be nice, I'm not going to be nice unless I feel like being nice. In other words, he says, you know, don't be like a college freshman, you know, who's away from home for the very first time and just kind of goes crazy with no rules. Don't be like that. He says, don't exercise your freedom like that instead. And this is the key. He says, now that you're free from the law, you have this incredible brand new opportunity. You have the opportunity to freely choose something i've given you freedom through christ is what the word says you have the freedom to freely choose something to freely do something that in the past you were commanded to do now you're free to do it and so now consequently paul says there is this brand new opportunity that comes with this brand new freedom and this is so powerful i want you to watch what he says he says don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature but rather he says and this is a huge contrast in fact the word that paul uses here is a greek word that is like the largest contrast that you can come up with he says rather instead of using your freedom to indulge in the flesh instead of that he says rather serve one another humbly in love instead of indulging in the flesh don't do that instead serve one another humbly in love what paul is saying here is he's saying you know now that you're free from the law and now that you feel like you don't have to treat people this way i mean ultimately this is what the law is all about every law was given to impact not only how we relate to god but how we relate to other people and paul says now that you're free from the law you have the opportunity of a lifetime that people haven't had this opportunity before. Now you can freely choose to go back to people that disappointed you, back to the people who hurt you, back to the people who you don't have anything in common with, back to the people who you used to consider beneath you, back to the people uh, that, that used to not even be on your radar. And now you can freely choose to move in their direction and serve them. 
Now you can serve them by choice rather than as a mandate of the law. You you all know what it means to serve, right? You guys know how I like definitions. I want to give you a simple definition for serve. when, When you think of serve, just think in these terms, that serving is simply when you see a need, meet it. When you see something that needs to be done, do it. That, that's what serving is. When you, when you see a need, meet it. When you see something that needs to be done, do it. And Paul says, because of Jesus, we can do that, not because we have to, but we can do it because we're free to do it. I, I see the need, and I choose to meet the need. I see something that needs to be done, and I choose to do it. In my freedom, I don't have to, but now I can choose to. Look for opportunities to serve other people. And listen, when you do that, when you choose under your free will to serve, I want to tell you that there's something that happens to us. We've been talking about discipleship. We've been talking about growing up in Christ. And there's something that happens when we choose to serve in terms of maturity, in maturing us, that does not happen by any other means. There's a maturity that God does in us. Now, don't ask me to explain it because I don't understand it. I just know that it's true. That there is a maturing that happens in us that happens only when we serve, and it does not happen by doing other things. And so Paul goes on in verse 14. He says this. He says, the whole law this is, this is what he was trying to get them away from. In the Old Testament, there were 613 laws. And then the religious leaders had come in, and they had created all of these boundaries or laws around the law in order to keep people even getting close to breaking the law. So there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws. And, so, and as a result, the people were drowning under a weight that they could not carry. And so Paul says, this is, this is coming from a guy who knew the law, he had memorized the law, and so he knew all the lists, he could fill in all the blanks, and he, could, he, could, he knew all of the charts. And Paul says, let me sum this up for you. And what he's doing is he's following Jesus' example. He says, the entire law, the whole law is made complete in this one command. And here it is. He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, he's saying this. He's saying all this stuff that that you spent all these years trying to get right, trying to please God, let me sum it up for you in one statement. Here is what God was after the entire time. This was the point of the whole thing. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, we could be like the man who came to Jesus. Okay, well then who is my neighbor? You know, We know the answer to that, right? Your neighbor is whoever's around you. Whoever God has placed around you, that's your neighbor. We're not talking about neighborhood. We're not exempt from serving people. When you see a need, you meet it. When you see something that needs to be done, you do it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, fortunately, Paul doesn't tell us, like your neighbor. Right? He said, love your neighbor, because here's the deal. I can't always choose who I like. That's based on my emotions, but I can choose who I love. 
You know, you know this, those of you who are married, you know, some days you wake up and you don't necessarily like your spouse all that much. So you're afraid to say amen, aren't you? But it's true, you know, there are days that Laura and I wake up and we don't really like each other all that much. You know, I've done something to irritate her and she's done something to irritate me. But I'll tell you this, in all the years that we've been married, every day we have chosen to love each other. When you choose to love somebody, you get through the like part. I mean, the light comes and goes. And so he says, you know, love your neighbor. You can choose to do that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how do you do that? It's simple. According to Paul, just serve them. I mean, just serve them. It's hard not to love somebody that you're serving. It's hard not to love somebody who's serving you. You see, we're not talking about emotion. It's not like, you know, well, I'll serve you when I feel like it. No, 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 no. Paul says, serve them. You know, I'll, feel, I'll serve you when I have time. No, 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 no. Paul says, no, serve them. You're just, just serve them. He says the whole law is, is bound in this one statement, love your neighbor. What does that look like? Paul says, serve one another. In other words, when you see a need, meet it. When you see something that needs to be done, do it. Man, I see this happen all the time. I'll tell you the other day, I walked in, and is Lyle working in here? I'm going to embarrass him if he's in here. I don't know if he's in here or not, or out working, because that's his name. That's what he does. But the other day, I think it was Thursday or Friday, uh, I was in my office, and, you know, Monday, was it Monday when we had the snow? And uh, was it Monday when we had the... We had bad weather one day this week, and there was a little bit of snow, and uh, somebody had put down ice melt on our walk out here. And uh, I'd come in in the morning and thought, man, there's a lot of ice melt on here. I need to sweep that up and clean it up. And I came out at noon to go to lunch, and Lyle was out there. He had stopped to drop something off at the church, and he saw a need and decided, you know what, I'm going to meet it. And so he's out there sweeping up the ice melt. It's a little thing, but he served me in doing that. He served you guys in doing that. You see, it's really simple. You see a need, and you just meet it. You don't expect somebody else to do it. You see something that needs to be done, and you do it. I want you to jump down to verse 16 in Galatians chapter 5. Paul says this, and this is why what we're talking about is so important. Paul says, so I say, I'm saying all of this stuff. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't live by your flesh Live by the Spirit, he says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, here's what he's saying, and this is so great. He's saying, as you learn to follow Jesus, I want you to get ready, and I want you to understand this, because the place that Jesus is going to lead you is not in a place of gathering and hoarding and gaining whatever you can for yourself, no. It's not going to be in a place of elevating yourself above, above everybody else. No, that is the way it works in every single world system. Remember, you're under a new system. This is a new kingdom. Jesus ushered in the kingdom of heaven. It's at hand now. And he's invited us to be a part of that new kingdom. It's the kingdom of heaven. And in this kingdom where Jesus is leading you, he's leading you in the direction of humbling yourselves and serving other people. Let me tell you why this is so important. And all this is going to lead us back to John 13. The, here, here's what we know. And I know many of us have experienced this in our, in our own lives, but here's what we know. When we decide to serve, here's what happens. 
We, we grow spiritually. Again, we grow in ways that we can't grow in any other way. And one of the ways that we grow by serving is that serving somehow helps us break the control of self-centeredness in our lives. It's true, service destroys self-centeredness. It's kind of like if you suffer with greed, the best way to deal with, deal with the issue of greed, to destroy greed, is simply give. Make the determination to give. The, the way that you fight greed is by living a life of generosity. And that's how you destroy the temptation of greed. You just get in the habit of giving. Well, in the same way, the best way to deal with self-centeredness is to give yourself away, to just get in the habit of I'm going to give myself away through serving other people. And listen, self-centeredness is something that we all deal with, right? Somebody said the center, at the center of sin is I. It's all about me. And the way that we deal with that and destroy it in our lives is we give ourselves away. And it's not just when we feel like it. Because if we do it when we feel like it, then it's still about us. It's, it's, you know what, I recognize that there's this thing in me that I don't want to exist there's this thing in me that wants to think only about me, this thing in me that God wants to destroy in my life, and the way that I, I put myself in position to allow him to do that is by serving. If, if I allow it to go its own way, it's going to wreck my life. And so I've decided that I'm going to master it. Scripture talks about we need to master these things. I'm going to master it. And the best way to master it is by making the decision, I'm going to be more like Jesus. Now, that ought to be the decision of everything in our life. I, I've shared this before, but I think oftentimes we ask ourselves the wrong question. A lot of times we ask the question, is it sin? And the, the reality behind that question is, for some of us, it's how much can I get away with and still go to heaven? Is it sin? I think the real question we need to ask ourselves is, what is it making me become? If I do this, if I make this choice, what is it going to cause me to become? More like Jesus or less like Jesus? See, our goal, our goal is that we want to be like Jesus. We're following him, and we want to be like Jesus. And so we humble ourselves, and we make the determination, the decision, I'm going to give myself away, and I'm going to serve. If I see a need, I'm going to meet it. If I see something that needs to be done, I'm going to do it. You know, oftentimes I, I tell people, when people come to me and say, you know, the church ought to do this. I've recognized this need and the church ought to do this. And oftentimes I ask people, why do you think God told you? He didn't tell you to tell somebody else to do it. He told you because he's entrusting you with it. You do something about it. If it's on your heart, if we, if we see a need, we meet it. If we see something that needs to be done, we do it. This is how Jesus lived his life. And he demonstrates this so clearly for us in John chapter 13. Jesus, Jesus is like, you know what, I know that my time on earth is coming to an end. And I know I only have a few more opportunities to help my followers get it. 
And I, I, want, I want you to see this. I want, I want my followers to see this one more time. And this is so powerful. I want you to look in verse 3 what it says. Jesus says this. It, it says this. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things, say all things. When it, when it says the original word, when it, when it says all things, is a word that means all things, <laughs> everything. All things. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. And so what does he do? It says in verse 4, he got up from the meal knowing all of this, knowing that, that he had all power, knowing that all things were under his feet, knowing that he was the Son of God. He's part of the Trinity. He's part of the triune Godhead. Knowing this, he gets up from his meal, takes off his outer clothing, he wraps a towel around his waist, and after that it says he poured water in a basin, and he does the unthinkable. He begins to wash his disciples' dirty, stinking, nasty feet. And then he dries them off with a towel that was wrapped around him. This is, this is so powerful to me. It was in this moment I mean, think about this. It was in this moment where Jesus knew he had all power. All power. Was his. Could have done anything he wanted to do. Anything. And the one thing he chooses to do is to humble himself and serve the people around him. It's the one thing that he chose to do. He saw a need, and he met it. He saw something that needed to be done, and rather than expecting somebody else to do it or telling somebody else to do it, he just did it. And in doing so, Jesus is very intentional. Trust me, everything that Jesus did, he did on purpose. Everything that he did, he intended to communicate something through it. He was very intentional, and he chooses this moment. It's one of the last moments that he would have alone with his disciples before the crucifixion which ultimately we know is the ultimate expression of serving, right? On the cross, there's no greater love than when somebody lays down their life for a friend. And so this is one of the last moments before this great climactic moment. And, and he, he demonstrates to his disciples, he says, I don't want you to miss this. And I especially don't want you to miss what I'm going to do on the cross. And so I'm going to demonstrate it to you. I'm going to show it to you one more time. And then I want you to know that what I have done for you, this is how I expect you to live your lives. Follow me. Follow me. Do what I do. And so he took the role of a servant. He humbled himself. He picked up his towel and he washes their feet. And then I want you to listen to how Jesus interpreted this event in verse 12. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. And he asked them this question, do you understand what I have done for you. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. In other words, he's saying, in case you've forgotten, I am Lord, capital L, Lord. No other Lord's above me. I am Lord, King of heaven, King of earth. And, and so you call me that. And he says in verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, what do teachers do? 
teach you how to do stuff, right? I'm your Lord, I'm your teacher. I'm your Lord, I'm doing this, I'm teaching you to do what I do. But now that your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, I want you to listen to what he says. He said, you also do what I did. I've set for you this example that you would do for other people what I have done for you. Do you understand what I have done for you? What a powerful question. In fact, that's the question that I believe that Jesus has for us this morning. Do you understand what I have done for you? You know what I've done for you. Do you understand what he's done for you? Paul says it like this in Philippians chapter 2. He says that Jesus, being in very nature, was God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself. It was a choice. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He gave all that he was for you and for me. And then his invitation for us is, come follow me. Come, come, come on, come follow me. Do what you saw me do. Use this freedom that I've given to you to freely serve other people. And he said, when you do that, when you choose to serve, listen, that is when you are most like me. You get that? That there is not a time when we are more like Jesus than when we serve. When we simply pick up the towel because we saw a need and we've decided, we chose, I'm going to meet it. When we saw something that needs to be done and we pick up our towel and we decide, guess what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to, choose, I'm going to freely choose to do it. Jesus said, this is what I did for you. And this is what I want you to do for other people. Folks, this is who we are. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, then by title, what we do is we follow him. This is who we are. And so if we're following him, the question becomes not do we serve or should we serve. The question simply becomes when and where are we going to serve next? Because it's who we are. It's not just what we do. It's who we are. This is one of our core values, a connecting point. We, 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 we say it's our vision of who we want to be, that we want to be a place where everyone belongs and can connect and grow and serve Jesus and each other. And so we're always looking for opportunities to do that. And the truth is that if we just look around us, there are all kinds of opportunities. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your connect card. And, and I want you to look at the little box uh, where it says next steps and opportunities. And, and, and you'll see that, okay, the first one is if you're coming to our Thanksgiving dinner, mark that and tell us how many so we can, we can 
just kind of hang out together and have a good time. We want you to do that. But underneath that, there's a question that says that I would like to serve. I'm going I'm to say it to you like this. You're not signing up to serve. How about I would like more information about serving, okay? I, I'd like more information. And below, there's a whole bunch of opportunities. Listen, I want to say this. For anybody who calls Connecting Point Church your church, you need to be serving somewhere. We're not going to tell you where to do it. You can choose freely where to do it. But use your freedom to choose to serve. And so there's lots of opportunities in-house. And so if you look down the list, I mean, everywhere from facilities teams, you, our facilities, we had somebody come in uh, the other day, we had a leaky faucet, and, and uh, Dale Kurtzer replaced the kitchen faucet for us, so we didn't have water all over the place. And there's stuff that needs to be done outside and inside, and there's always stuff that needs to be done. So if you're handy, or you like to paint, or you like to work out in the yard, or anything like that, we'd love to call on you to help us with that. So our facilities team, our tech, we have a great tech team, and they'd love to train you how to, how to use some of our equipment and help the service happen. And we have a coffee team. When you come in the, in the morning and you get coffee, it didn't just like magically appear. Somebody didn't pray it into existence. You know, there were people that got up early, and they took the grounds, put it in the filter, poured the water in, made the coffee, set things up. And so we'd love to have you be a part of that if you'd like to. We need, we, we'd love to have you serve in our children's ministry. We have a vibrant children's ministry. There, there's no greater ministry than to be able to deposit the truth of God into the lives of children. We have a friendship team. If you're not friendly, this is not for you. Okay? People who are just friendly and reach out to people and, and introduce themselves to people, uh, ushers and greeters and uh, our Converge Youth. We have a, a vibrant youth ministry and there's some cool things that are happening there and it'd be a great to be a part of that. We have a prayer team. If that's one of your callings, there are some of you who are just prayers, 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 prayers. We want to further develop that. So uh, your prayer team. We have a second chance ministry team that many of you know that we, we go to the, um, the correctional facility and we transport people uh, who are serving at the correctional facility who attend worship with us and we feed meals. We develop sponsorships and it's an awesome ministry. We have a chair team. These chairs get moved and, and uh, need to be straightened and all that kind of stuff. And so that happens. I said greeters already. And so there's lots of opportunities. I'm saving the last one for just a minute. But those are in-house opportunities. We also, I was going to say we want to serve the outhouse, but that doesn't sound right. <laughs> out of this house, you know. Part of our desire is to reach out into the community, and we don't, we don't want to just be ingrown and serving ourselves all the time. We want to find opportunity to serve out in the community. And so we've actually developed a team that is helping us coordinate that. And Carmen Schwab is the head of that team. Would you come join me, Carmen? I want Carmen to share a little bit about what's going on in this area of ministry. And uh, we'll invite you into that. So come on up here. For those of you who don't know Carmen, this is Carmen. I'm going to grab a mic for you here. And uh, I think it's on. So there you go. You brought your stuff with you. I brought my bag of tricks. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, Carmen, I know that you guys have been working on, on these things. And so uh, I want you to share what are, what are some of the things that you and your team have been working on or what, what tell us about the team a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, and the team consists of Karen Barrett, Brett Wilson, and Jen Clark. Um, and we've been working for, I guess, August the 20th was our first meeting. And we just all feel a real calling and a passion for just, let's just give it up for Pastor Doug right now for that message. Um, 
Thank you. Now just turn to your neighbor and say, I choose to serve like Christ. Go ahead and say that this morning to your neighbor. So that was the heartbeat and the passion behind the committee that has been established, is that to take the wonderful congregation here at Connecting Point out into the community and to just really be able to serve with dignity and compassion the children and the families and the, and the people of Lincoln. And so as we began just having the conversations, we really wanted to kind of make it a little bit more granular or more finite, finite excuse me, as to what we really wanted to do and what we wanted to be about. And it is to go into the community and to serve those in need with dignity and compassion. So um, that's our, our heartbeat, that's what we want to do. Um, and so through the process, we've been kind of just what does it look like and who can we serve? Because also a big part of that is that we want this to be the church and to be all the ages of the church, from the young to the mature that have so much to teach us. So we want these opportunities to involve all ages. And so that was a part of, of two of who we wanted to look at when we had those opportunities to serve. Um, and so we, um, coming in January, we want to enlist all of you and helping us to understand what that might look like and to get your input to us to maybe who um, you might like to see us serve as a church. That's awesome. So you guys will be involved in this process and we'll, we'll develop that further. In the meantime, uh, are there any plans or opportunities that, that we have to serve? Absolutely. So for those who took part in the veterans' cards, writing a, a note to a veteran, you've already served. Um, serve those that just needed a little bit of encouragement and thank you for what they've done um, for all of us. So you've already participated, so thank you if you did that. And so the next opportunity that we have is to serve through the Salvation Army here in the community of Lincoln. And so we're really excited about that because it does encompass all ages and it gets us out into the community, kind of into lots of different locations to just to be that light. Yeah, that's a great opportunity. We know that, uh, you know, that, that Salvation Army is one of our sister denominations, and uh, so it's a great opportunity to, they, they've, we don't, we don't need to duplicate what other people are doing, we just need to partner with them and help them, so it's a great opportunity for us to do that. So I know that this is something that's dear to your heart, your family had been involved in that, you did this with your father uh, for, for years, and, yeah. and so help us to know, um, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever been the bell ringer, so I know you stand there and ring the bell, but are there any tips you can give us as we sign up? What, what kind are you looking for? Absolutely. Thank you. And you, yeah, ringing the bell, that's a good start, you know, and we can all ring the bell, right? We can all ring a bell. Um, but yeah, I certainly have some tips. I'm going to let you just kind of hold the microphone. I, I just, I just, I like props for those that know maybe a little bit about some of the things I do, but I like props. But so I think one of the things that we can do is we can wear a connecting point sweatshirt when we're ringing the bell. I think that would be a great thing to tie all of this together. So I know there's times it might be really cold and this might not be enough, but when it is, they're available for sale out there at the merch table. So if you want to pick one up, wearing a sweatshirt of Connecting Point would be a really great thing to do. And that, that's a choice. I mean, that's not going to be a mandate or requirement, but there's a couple things that might be. So I think that we need to make sure that we are all wearing our really big glasses. Now, maybe not like there, but just be thinking about you're wearing some really big glasses and that, that we're really, we're, we're looking up and we're acknowledging those that are in close proximity to us and those that we can have that smile on, that hello, and 
Um, you know, if we're doing this as a family or we're doing this with friends, sometimes we can get caught up in a conversation or someone might come to that place that we know when we get caught up in having this conversation with someone that we already know, um, but kind of trying to leave that to really just acknowledge those around us with a smile and, and we can't do that unless we're looking up and seizing those opportunities. So I think that glasses are important. So we need to make sure we have those, okay? And then, you know, we also need to make sure that we have these really big ears, like that we're wearing our, our listening ears when we're out and we're ringing the bell because we want to hear conversations and as people are engaging with us, we want to be engaged with them. And so I think having our ears on that time would be important too, okay? Just a couple more, we're almost done. And then I think it's also important that you might have to wear a headband because it might be really cold. I don't sport these very well, but so I don't know what this side says, but I think it says, does it say MMFI? Okay, because the other one says S, so I wasn't sure what side I had on. So I just think that as we're ringing that bell, that we are just envisioning those that are coming up to us wearing a headband like this that says, make me feel important, and that they know they're valued, and they know that they have worth, because we know that everybody has a story, right? And sometimes just stepping into that story can really help us to show them that they matter and that we care with just that, how we engage with them, how we interact with them, and how we make them feel in, at that time. So stepping into somebody's shoe um, and understanding them is important. And then the very last thing, well, there, there's more, but we'll just leave it here. So um, just to be thinking about how can we fill somebody's bucket? As some of them have chosen to fill the bucket, they're gonna serve so many. Um, last year, the Salvation Army raised $147 million in 2018. That's a pretty big um, contribution to those in need. So as they're doing that, are we filling their bucket with how we interact with them and showing Christ to them? So um, as Doug well said, there's so many things in life that we, we can't, we don't have any control over. You know, my husband might think I control him. Doesn't happen. Um, my kids might think I can control them. It doesn't happen. But we can choose to serve. As disciples of Christ, it is our calling to serve others. And the measuring of the, our depth um, and love for him is by what we do for others as he's done unto us. So this is a call that's been on my heart for a long time, and I just, I'm excited to have everybody here to be a part of this. We can impact the city um, in a really big way just by being the smile, the greeter, the hello, have a great day. Have a happy Thanksgiving or have a Merry Christmas. So. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, we, you can leave these for me and I may put them on, but yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Carmen. So as, as you were talking, I thought, you know, there's a prayer that I pray quite often and uh, this ties into this. Um, and it's not just for when we ring bells or whatever we do in that regard. Um, this is as we just go through life as servants. And I often pray, God, give me eyes to see people the way that you see them. Give me ears to hear. Um, not only what's underneath what they're saying, but your spirit as you speak to me. And then give me hands to serve, uh, fill their bucket. And so this is a first opportunity for us to do this. And so I encourage you, uh, if you're interested in doing this, mark that bell ringer category and somebody from the team will contact you and help you get signed up. There'll be some more information on this uh, in the next week to come, and, and we'll get it in our Stay Connected email as well. But I encourage you, find a place 
to serve. It, it, it will bless us. We need you. It'll bless the people around you. They need you. But it'll bless you. It'll help you to grow. It'll help you to become more like Jesus.